So my brothers and sisters, John's uh, last discourse ends with that great chapter uh, of our blessed Lord saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Quit worrying so much. Quit stewing so much. Quit being so... um, Always thinking about what could happen, all the things. I'd say that's probably a good message for us even today, isn't it? Yeah. We stew a lot. We worry a lot. We think about these things. So how do we get out of that mindset? Well, let, me, let me just reflect on this gospel and see if uh, some of the words of John might, might help us to be less involved in the worry of life and more involved in the goodness of life. We begin with uh, the belief that this particular gospel is saying to his disciples that they will indeed inherit the kingdom. He's going to come back. He's going to the Father, but he'll be back. And he'll bring them with him. And then he says, I will take you to my house where there are many, many dwelling places. Many different kinds of opportunities to live with my God. And so you must have confidence and trust in my word. For me, it says clearly... That this gospel, which is about the end of life, we use it oftentimes in homilies for funerals. It says, first and foremost, that this Jesus has established a covenant with his disciples. But not just his disciples, with us. And that this covenant that he has established, that he has brought to bear at this time of his life, just before his death, is a covenant that God will always keep. It's not a contract. It's not a place where you can kind of wiggle out if things don't go well or look for something in the contract that gives you a little cause or pause to get out of whatever the responsibility is. It's a covenant. It's written on the fleshy tablets of your heart that this God will remain with you. This God will always love you. I'm going to the Father, but I'll be back and take you with me. And that there is a place in heaven for everyone. Many different mansions. Many different ways for us to receive our blessed Lord's call to heaven. Brothers and sisters, we've got to believe that God doesn't create junk. He creates all of us in his image and in his likeness. So all of us 
have been given the promise. All of us have received the covenant. And no matter what we do, even when we're unfaithful, even when we struggle, even when we make mistakes or find or fall into addictions, our God promises he will remain right there with us every step of the way. So that's why it's so important that we hear those words, let your hearts not be troubled. God is with you. He will never let you go. Of course we're different. We all have different circumstances, different conditions, different ways in which we find our God or find our love. But all of it, he says, has a place in the kingdom, a place where there are many, many mansions, many ways for people to find their home and to find their God. So it's a call, really, to the disciples. And I was thinking about that the other day because Ron Rollheiser has a magnificent description of what discipleship really is. He says the first level of discipleship is essential discipleship. That's growing, coming to understand God, coming to understand each other, finding our way, looking for our purpose, coming to believe that we are good. That's the first thing. And then he says there's a second degree of discipleship. It's called generative. And that's the discipleship where we begin to give our life away. Our kids, our family, those we love. We give our lives over to them. We do everything we can to help them. We live a less self-conscious life and a more generous life, a life of love, a life of care, a life of responsibility, a care for those we love most. But then he says, there's a third level of discipleship. He calls that radical discipleship. And that's what our Lord is doing today. Radical discipleship is teaching those we love how to die. That when we die, when we're near death, if our life has been good, if we believe in this loving Savior, if we have a less troubled heart, if we believe that he goes to the Father, comes back and brings us to the kingdom, there is surrender in our lives. There's a peace in our lives. There's a great teaching of how to die. I gotta tell you, that's the gift that Jesus gives to his disciples today. He's teaching them how to die. And that's what David Ayat taught me. I'll never forget it. On the Sunday after Thanksgiving, he called me into the hospital.
asked me to help him with the decision. Decision for life. And in front of me and in front of this great physician who was going to give him palliative care, he said, let it be done. He knew. He knew it was time. He surrendered his life to Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, that's what we're being taught today. Our Lord is teaching us how we died, how to have less troubled hearts, how to believe that God has come for every one of us, many mansions, and that ultimately and finally, all of us, all of us, are made in the image and likeness of our God. John does not give the confection. He doesn't talk about the Eucharist as the other disciples did, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, taking the bread, taking the cup. He rather washes the feet of the disciples just before this last statement. In other words, not how to confect Eucharist, but how to be Eucharist. How to be people who live the life of our blessed Lord. Having received our Lord, having become like our Lord, we go about the world doing his great work. We become Eucharist. That's what John is telling us. We become Eucharist. Serving people, loving people, surrendering our lives over to our God. And ultimately and finally, that's the great teaching of this gospel today. I don't think you remember Godfrey Diekman, Godfrey. He was a great liturgist. I hardly remember myself because he was in the 50s. But he did great work in the liturgical reform of our church. And one day, one of his students said to him, Godfrey, if you were to preach your last sermon, your last homily, what would you say? What would you tell people? And Godfrey said, I would speak about deification. I would tell people how good they are. That's what I would do. How good they are. Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. When we're told we're bad, when we're told we're sinners, when we're told we're separated, when we're told we're no good, and we hear that a lot, those are the voices of this world. Brothers and sisters, that does not help us. We become what we're told we are. But when we're told, when God tells us, when people we love tell us we are good, it only makes us better people. 
As I've told you so many times, my dearest friend, John McAnulty, my spiritual director for over 25 years, when I was young and foolish, I'm telling you folks, I was young and foolish. And I'd go to confession once a month because I needed it probably every day. And I'd tell him these horrible things that were going on, just crazy stuff in my life. And at the end of it, at the end of it, the only thing John would say to me, but Lloyd, you're good. I began to cry. I, 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 I could hardly, I could hardly receive it. John, I'd say, did you hear what I said about myself? Did you hear what I said? Lloyd, you are good. And do you know something? That's what changed me. That's the difference. We become what we're called by our God to be. So my brothers and sisters, don't let anyone tell you anything different. Silence them. Put your hand up. Remember, God calls you good. We call each other good. And because of that, we grow in a care and a love of each other and of our God. What a gospel today. What a gospel. His last. Godfrey Diekman was absolutely right. The only thing we need to hear. The only thing we need to hear. No matter what. No matter what the circumstance. We. You and I. Are good. Made in the image and likeness of our God. Thank you so much. I love you.